0: Well, hello there, and welcome to Bible in a Year with Bill. My name is Bill, and we are going through Eugene Peterson's The Message paraphrase of the Bible. What we do is we're here every day reading a section of either the Old Testament or the New Testament, and some Psalms and Proverbs or other prophetic, poetic-type books like that. Anyway, today we're going to be reading. It is, oh, actually, it's March 21st. So today we're going to be reading from Deuteronomy chapters 5 to chapter 7, and then we're going to finish up today's reading with Psalm 41. So let's get right into it with Deuteronomy, chapter 5. Moses called all Israel together. He said to them, Attention, Israel! Listen obediently to the rules and regulations I am delivering to your listening ears today. Learn them, live them. God, our God, made a covenant with us at Horeb. God didn't just make this covenant with our parents, he also made it with us. With all of us who are alive right now, God spoke to you personally out of the fire on the mountain. At the time, I stood between God and you to tell you what God said. You were afraid, remember, of the fire and wouldn't climb the mountain. He said, I am God, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, not out of a house of slaves. No other gods, only me, no carved gods of any size, shape, or form, of anything whatever, whether of things that fly or walk or swim. Don't bow down to them and don't serve them because I am your God, your God, and I'm a most jealous God. I hold parents responsible for any sins they pass on to their children, to the third and yes, even the fourth generation. But I'm lovingly loyal to the thousands who love me and keep my commandments. No using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. No working on the Sabbath. Keep it holy, just as God, your God, commanded you. Work six days, doing everything you have to do, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest day. No work. Not you, your son, your daughter, your servant, your maid, your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, and not even the foreigner visiting your your town that way your servants and maids will get the same rest as you don't ever forget that you were slaves in Egypt and God your God got you out of there in a powerful show of strength that's why God your God commands you to observe the day of sabbath rest respect your father and mother God your God commands it you'll have a long life the land that is giving the land that God is giving you will treat you well no murder No adultery, no stealing, no lies about your neighbor, no coveting your neighbor's wife, and no lusting for his house, field, servant, maid, ox, or donkey either. Nothing that belongs to your neighbor. These are the words that God spoke to the whole congregation at the mountain. He spoke in a tremendous voice from the fire and cloud and dark mist. And that was it. No more words. Then he wrote them on two slabs of stone and gave them to me. As it turned out, when you heard the voice out of the dark cloud and saw the mountain of fire, you approached me, all the heads of your tribes and your leaders, and said, Our God has revealed to us his glory and greatness. We've heard him speak from the fire today. We've seen that God can speak to humans and they can still live. But why risk it further? This huge fire will devour us if we stay around any longer. If we hear God's voice any more, we'll die for sure. Has anyone ever known of anyone who has heard the voice of God the way we have and lived to tell the story? From now on, you go and listen to what God, our God, says, and then tell us what God tells you. We'll listen and we'll do it. God heard what you said to me and told me. I've heard what the people said to you. They're right, good and true words. What I wouldn't give if they'd always feel this way, continuing to revere me and always keep all my commands." They'd have a good life forever, they and their children. Go ahead and tell them to go home to their tents. But you, you stay here with me so I can tell you every commandment and all the rules and regulations that you must teach them so they'll know how to live in the land that I'm giving them as their own. So be very careful to act exactly as God commands you. Don't veer off to the right or the left. Walk straight down the road God commands so that you'll have a good life and live a long time in the land that you're about to possess. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is the commandment the rules and regulations that God, your God, commanded me to teach you to live out in the land you're about to cross into to possess. This is so that you'll live in deep reverence before God lifelong, observing all his rules and regulations that I am commanding you, you and your children and your grandchildren, living good long lives. Listen obediently, Israel. Do what you're told so that you'll have a good life, a life of abundance and bounty, just as God promised, in a land abounding in milk and honey. Attention, Israel. God, our God, God, the one and only. Love your God with all your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. When God, your God, ushers you into the land he promised through your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, You're going to walk into large, bustling cities that you didn't build, build well-furnished houses you didn't buy, come upon wells you didn't dig, vineyards and olive orchards you didn't plant. When you take it all in and settle down, pleased and content, make sure you don't forget how you got there. God brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Deeply respect God, your God. Serve and worship Him exclusively. Back up your promises with His name only. Don't fool around with other gods, the gods of your neighbors, because God, your God, who is alive among you, is a jealous God. Don't provoke Him, igniting His hot anger that would burn you right off the face of the earth. Don't push God, your God, to the wall as you did that day at Massah, the testing place. Carefully keep the commands of your God. All the requirements and regulations he gave you, do what is right, do what is good in God's sight so you'll live a good life and be able to march in and take this pleasant land that God so solemnly promised through your ancestors, throwing out your enemies left and right, exactly as God said. The next time your child asks you, what do these requirements, regulations and rules about God, our God has commanded mean? Tell your child, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and God powerfully intervened and got us out of that country. We stood there and watched as God delivered miracle signs, great wonders, and evil vegetations on Egypt, on Pharaoh and his household. He pulled us out of there so he could bring us here and give us the land he so solemnly promised to our ancestors. That's why God commanded us to follow all these rules, so that we would live reverently before God, our God, as he gives us this good life, keeping us alive for a long time to come. It will be a set right and put together life for us if we make sure that we do this entire commandment in the presence of God, our God, just as he commanded us to do. Deuteronomy chapter 7. When God, your God, brings you into the country that you are about to enter and take over, he will clear out the superpowers that were there before you, the Hittite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Those seven nations are all bigger and stronger than you are. God, your God, will turn them over to you, and you will conquer them. You must completely destroy them, offering them up as a holy destruction to God. Don't make a treaty with them. Don't let them off in any way. Don't marry them. Don't give your daughters to their sons and don't take their daughters for your sons. Before you know it, they'd involve you in worshipping their gods and God would explode in anger, putting a quick end to you. Here's what you are to do. Tear apart their altars stone by stone. Smash their phallic pillars. Chop down their sex and religion Asherah groves. Set fire to their carved God images. Do this because you are a people set apart as holy to God, your God. God, your God, chose you out of all the people on earth for himself as a cherished personal treasure. God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. The fact is there was almost nothing to you. He did it out of sheer love, keeping the promise he made to your ancestors. God stepped in and mightily bought you back out of that world of slavery, freed you from the iron grip of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know this, God, your God, is God indeed, a God you can depend on. He keeps his covenant of loyal love with those who love him and observe his commandments for a thousand generations." But he also pays back those who hate him, pays them the wages of death. He isn't slow to pay them off. Those who hate him, he pays right on time. So keep the command and the rules and regulations that I command you today. Do them. And this is what will happen. When you, on your part, will obey these directives, keeping and following them, God, on his part, will keep the covenant of loyal love that he made with your ancestors. He will love you. He will bless you. He will increase you. He will bless the babies from your womb and the harvest of grain, new wine and oil from your fields. He'll bless the calves from your herds and lambs from your flocks in the country he promised your ancestors that he'd give you. You'll be blessed beyond all other peoples, no sterility or barrenness in you or your animals. God will get rid of all sickness and all the evil afflictions you experience in Egypt. He'll put not on you, but on those who hate you. You'll make mincemeat of all the peoples that God, your God, hands over to you. Don't feel sorry for them and don't worship their gods. They'll trap you for sure. You're going to think to yourselves, oh, we're outnumbered 10 to 1 by these nations. We'll never even make a dent in them. But I'm telling you, don't be afraid. Remember, yes, remember in detail what God, your God, did to Pharaoh and all Egypt. Remember the great contests to which you were eyewitnesses, the miracle signs, the wonders, God's mighty hand, as he stretched out his arm and took you out of there. God, your God, is going to do the same thing to these people you're now so afraid of. And to top it off, the hornet. God will unleash the hornet on them until they, until every survivor in hiding is dead. So don't be intimidated by them. God, your God, is among you. God majestic. God awesome. God, your God, will get rid of these nations bit by bit. You won't be permitted to wipe them out at all. At once, unless the wild animals take over and overwhelm you. But God, your God, will move them out of your way. He'll throw them into a huge panic until there's nothing left of them. He'll turn their kings over to you, and you'll remove all trace of them under heaven. Not one person will be able to stand up to you. You'll put an end to them all. Make sure you set fire to their carved gods. Don't get greedy for for the veneer of silver and gold on them and take it for yourselves. You'll get trapped by it for sure. God hates it. It's an abomination to God, your God. And don't dare bring one of these abominations home or you'll end up just like it, burned up as a holy desecrate destruction. No, it is forbidden. Hate it, abominate it, destroy it, and preserve God's holiness. Psalm chapter 41. This is a David psalm. Dignify those who are down on their luck. You'll feel good. That's what God does. God looks after us all, makes us robust with life. Lucky to be in the land. We're free from enemy worries. Whenever we're sick and in bed, God becomes our nurse, nurses us back to health. I said, God, be gracious, put me together again. My sins have torn me to pieces. My enemies are wishing the worst for me. They make bets on what day I will die. If someone comes to see me, he mouths empty platitudes, all the while gathering gossip about me to entertain the street corner crowd. These friends who hate me whisper slanders all over town. They form committees to plan misery for me. The rumor goes out he's got some dirty, deadly disease. The doctors have given up on him. Even my best friend, the one I always told everything, he ate meals at my house all the time, has bitten my hand. God, give grace. Get me up on my feet. I'll show them a thing or two. Meanwhile, I'm sure you're on my side. No victory shouts yet from the enemy camp. You know me inside and out. You hold me together. You never fail to stand me tall in your presence so I can look you in the eye. Blessed is God, Israel's God, always, 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 yes, yes, yes. You know, I hope it's okay, but uh, I'm finding a lot of inspiration in the New King James Version Inspirational Bible, uh, edited by Max Licato. I've got another excerpt from that um, Inspirational Bible today. Finally, the 40th year of the exodus from Egypt. Many Israelites had died since God gave the commandments at Mount Sinai. God held the entire nation responsible for obeying the commandments. God longs for his people to abide by his stipulations so that we all will be well with them and that the generations that follow them. It, is, it pleases him when his people profess willingness to obey his commandments, but he knows their hearts will lead them to disobey. You lose your temper, you lust, you fall, you take a drag, you buy a drink, you kiss the woman, you follow the crowd, you rationalize, you say yes, you sign your name, you forget who you are, you walk into her room, you look in the window, you break your promise, you buy the magazine, you lie, you covet, you stomp your feet and demand your way, you deny your master. It's David disrobing Bathsheba. It's Adam accepting the fruit from Eve. It's Abraham lying about Sarah. It's Peter denying that he ever knew Jesus. It's Noah drunk and naked in his tent. It's Lot in bed with his own daughter. It's your worst nightmare. It's sudden. It's sin. Satan numbs our awareness and short circuits our self-control. We know what we are doing and yet we can't believe that we are doing it. In the fog of weakness we want to stop but haven't the will to do so. We want to turn around, but our feet won't move. We want to run, and pitifully, we want to stay. No one who is hearing these words is free from the treachery of sudden sin. No one is immune to this trick of perdition. This demon of hell can scale the highest monastery wall, penetrate the deepest faith, and desecrate the purest home. Some of you know exactly what I mean. You could write these words better than I, couldn't you? Some of you, like me, have tumbled so often that the stench of Satan's breath is far from a novelty. You've asked for God's forgiveness so often that you worry that the well of mercy might run dry. Romans chapter 7 is the emancipation proclamation for those of us who have a tendency to tumble. Look at verse 15. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Sound familiar? Read on. Verses 18 and 19. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Man, that fellow has been reading your diary, huh? What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body of death? Please, Paul don't stop there is there no oasis in this barrenness of guilt there is thank God and drink deeply as you read verse 25 and verse 12 of chapter 8 in Romans thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus amen there it is you heard it right For those in Christ, there is no condemnation, absolutely none. Claim the promise, memorize the words, accept the cleansing, throw out the guilt, praise the Lord. Every Christian has suffered from the guilt that comes after sin. Remember, Christ's forgiveness covers every sin, every time. Don't let guilt drag you down after you have been forgiven. Believe it when he says, you're forgiven. Thank you for joining me today, my friends, with Bible in a Year with Bill. I hope to see you tomorrow.